Hello, everyone, and welcome to Autism Stories, where we connect you with amazing people that help autistic teens and adults become more independent and successful. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Peer mentorship can have a profoundly positive effect on the lives of all those that are involved. On this episode of Autism Stories, we talk with Alec Frazier, who shares with us how mentorship has significant meaning in his life and how this can be helpful to autistic people in helping them reaching their goals and improving their mental health. I do want to say that there are a few times in the interview where the sound quality is not the greatest, and I really do apologize for that. But if you stick through it, you will hear the wonderful thoughts of Alec. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Alec, thanks so much for joining us today. Now, I wanted to talk with you about mentoring, and you are a great person to talk about mentoring with because in 2018, you were inducted into the National Disability Mentoring Coalition Hall of Fame. What was unique about this is that you were inducted to the Hall of Fame as part of a mentoring circle. For those that don't know, can you talk a little bit about what a mentoring circle is? You learn from a mentor, and when you mentor somebody, it's often as part of a group, and often people, uh, when, you're, when you're in the group, sometimes in the group with a man named J.D. Michaels and a woman named Carrie Harvard-Squire, and uh, we all learn from each other, and we all taught each other. And there was no clear mentor in the group, and there was no clear mentee in the group, because, well, we all, there was a learning experience for all of each other, and there were clear, tangible goals that changed our lives with education and careers through that uh, process. So mentoring circle is basically uh, when there are multiple people, it can be two or more uh, who are all learning from each other. And how did uh, this mentoring circle um, initially come together? Well, this is interesting. Uh, this is very interesting because I moved to D.C. on uh, November 1st, uh, 2016, and three days later I got an invite to meet Obama from and the White House uh, Office of Public Affairs, and uh, she introduced me to J.D., and um, uh, I continued chatting with J.D. via Skype for quite some time, and Terry also had some things she wanted to get done, and so we actually ended up uh, having a we started instituting weekly meetings, which are still taking place today. Uh, just had one yesterday. But we all meet once a week. I educated JP and Terry educated JP a lot on disability points of view, um, as we both have for a long history. That Terry educated us both on uh, deals with a lot of procedural things like throwing together events and dealing with red tape and things like that. She's very good with that. And I, uh, and J.D. Um, it, it, it taught us a lot. 
advertising executive. He taught us a lot about that. And the career efforts, I could go on about this forever. A lot of good stuff has happened as a result of this. Is your mentoring circle about the each of you coming to the group and saying, I have this goal? What oh, feed- not necessarily. It, it, it keeps better than that. It flows naturally. It just gets it done, you know? We, we don't always say, I have this goal, but sometimes it's like, oh my goodness, this just occurred to me. Wouldn't it be great if we got this done? And, and then another person says, wow, and I have contacts with this person. And, and then the other person says, I can, and I help you give you these resources, and it's a really symbiotic relationship. Now, mentoring can come in uh, different forms, sometimes in really small groups like mentoring circles. Other time it can be in mentoring events. Some of these mentoring events you've participated in um, have been Lights, Camera, Access 2.0 events, which promote inclusion for those with disability in the media. How important are programs like this for people with disabilities, do you feel, to be involved with? Oh, very important. That was actually the event that they were holding at the Obama White House, and I started out as a mentee, and now I'm involved each year as a mentor. And in addition, I actually co-hosted one. Someone like me who has never been to the White House, what was that experience like? Here's the big thing. The thing that surprises most people, almost all White House business is not at the actual White House. It's in the Eisenhower Executive Office building. But we were given a big room on one of the top floors. It's a humongous building. I think it was like the biggest building in town until the Pentagon was built or something like that. And uh, it, it, uh, it's easy to get lost there. I actually did. <laughs> but for the venue and the co-host, Terry holds her conferences basically wherever we'll have her. At this event, it was the White House Office of Public Engagement that was, that was having us. And they hold events in D.C., New York City, Chicago, L.A., and... Like I said, basically anywhere that'll have them. So what's been your relationship with Lights, Camera, Access 2.0 since that very first event? How's that evolved? 
I was a mentee at first, and I didn't quite know what, what it was going to be like going in. Um, and I traveled uh, uh, behind you, mentee tracks that best to do business and what you're planning on doing. And we also, there are things we, we well, you know, panel discussions, we all attended things like that. And there's networking round tables. And uh, I uh, was one of the people who went through those for the first two events, the events in D.C. in 2016. Um, then the next year, I would be to make the mentor. And the, I was uh, a mentor and a co-host along with J.D. at his company, BPDO New York. And they actually uh, gave me a bunch of time. Uh, I've been told I'm a good public speaker, and they apparently knew that. So they gave me a bunch of time talking in front of the group and uh, pressing points like uh, the values of networking. And uh, and uh, just I, I'm I'm good at talking to people about how practical knowledge comes to fruition and also about encouraging talking points. Um, and then the next LCA I attended for next year in New York City was hosting a different venue, but I was also a mentor at that and I was a panelist. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, in my relationship with J.D. and Terry, we've seen some real tangible goals, and if you'd like, I could talk, I could talk about how those, those goals have been kind of come true. Yeah, yeah. Talk talk a little bit more about about where those goals have led you. Yeah. So JD basically said, "I have a job for you, and I have a book deal." And um, this job was actually concerned with something that Terry wanted done, uh, which is something called Stories About Us, which is a project that publishes uh, disabled authors, and we pay for things like copywriting and ISBN numbers and they uh, and uh, and production of the books and then we have, we get these disabled authors published um, and that was the job then JD left BPDO and, and that actually gave us a more freedom because it allowed us to do this under our own terms instead of a big company's terms and uh, and I continue to be the editor for stories about us, and we've gotten a, a couple books out by now. We've gotten my book, Baby Be the Autism, which I'll talk about in a moment, and we've gotten uh, a book of poetry by a young woman named Janet Rowe called At the Pole of the Moon, and we are currently getting a whole plethora of books out by uh, an older disabled author named Denise. Uh, and she is, uh, and she has a series of novels she's been working on for over a decade, which we have decided to call the role model saga. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's about disability, too. So basically, I mentioned to JD that I had all these essays and things that had been like uh, papers from my master's degree, um, which was in disability studies, heavy on social sciences. And also that I also had blog posts and that I had just a bunch of random musings that I wanted. And I didn't even get to say the word published because he said deal. 
And I'm like, what? You know, listen, I don't know about you, but I have been through a lot of trouble in my life. There, There was bullying, there was harassment, and there were people who went out of their way to make my life different. Um, this meeting Jiggy and Terry was a huge turning point for me. Meeting my mentoring circle was a huge turning point for me because I had people who would bend over backwards to enable me to accomplish my dreams. Going on book tours and going to conventions and writers' conferences, comment on things like that to do uh, my book and various talks. I give a number of different talks from my best one is on autism and creativity, and I often give that with two of my mentees uh, who are independent during circle, and um, and then uh, and I also have some prints I sell and things like that, and I also scouting to recruit more people for the stories about us projects. I'll often network with some amazing people. Um, I was at a show weekend before last. The art of one of their people is a developmentally disabled woman who's had these journals she's wanted published for like 16 years. And uh, and I was able to say, we can't make any promises at this moment, but we'll look at that. There's a very good chance we can help you get that published. And I realized that I'm good at interviewing people. And so two more things happened. I started writing professionally as a pop culture critic uh, for sites like Flickering Minute, and uh, coming up with articles for them that are different from the traditional stuff they do, instead of endless, you know, uh, themeless film, film reviews, I do things like uh, how the film Alita Battle Angel was a parable about prosthetics, for example, and, uh, and uh, things like that. And then I actually got, the second thing is I got a podcast started, the Autistic Reality Podcast. And I have, in, I don't care who I interview, there's no theme among who I interview, but a lot of the people I do tend to be creators and cons. I have interviewed the senior U.S. Senator, Chris Van Hollen. I have uh, interviewed a uh, famous business founder, Virginia Ali, who founded Ben's Chili Bowl with her husband in 1956, was it? And, uh, uh, here in D.C. And I have interviewed a ton of creators, and I, uh, actually, the biggest business endeavor of my life is next week. I'm going to New York Comic Con. Myself and one of my mentees are going to be giving our panel about autistic creativity, and I will also be press, which means I get in for free, and I get to interview all, a lot of people. I've been emailing people for weeks straight, and I've got some really big news that I'm going to interview. Diana Gavaldon, who writes the uh, hit book series Outlander, and Joe Quesada, who's in charge of creative for Marvel Entertainment, and, uh, and Anthony Rapp, now you talk about autism and creativity some of the most creative people i've met in my life are autistic people where do you think there the connection between being autistic and being creative exists 
You actually said it to a very interesting point. Um, I was at a uh, at the convention the weekend before last, and I was part of a writers panel. And they went in, and they they immediately said, "Fiction this, fiction that, telling your story, making up your story." And if you're familiar with my book, it's completely nonfiction. It's like reviews. It's uh, it's scholarly pieces. It's uh, fun things. It's lessons about living with disability. And so I think that autism has a big impact on creativity. But that doesn't necessarily need to fabricate the whole thing. So if you look at my logo, it's actually a red lens through which you view the left A and R in autistic reality. And that was something I intentionally gave to the guy who designed it because it, it, um, my, I'm not a fiction writer. Instead, what I create is based on how I view the world through my autistic lens. And, um, and I think that uh, people can be really great artists. I know the goal was uh, definitely autistic. We can, be, we can craft nations. Uh, Thomas Jefferson was autistic. We can, uh, we can win battles like James Garfield. Um, we can uh, we can do a lot, and it's not just limited creating fictional worlds. I think that it doesn't it doesn't just change the creative process, frankly. It changes the entire thinking process and changes it for the better. Getting back to lights, camera, access 2.0, that makes me think about autistic characters in the media and the lack of autistic actors that are playing these characters. Where do you think we are in that process? This is literally a big topic of the panel I'm giving in your Comic-Con next week. Um, actually, I think there are some that you wanted that aren't publicized enough and that for example, I did a work, uh, a lit review on a book on the first autistic superhero, uh, a character named Yurik uh, from uh, Marvel Comics, he's in the Daredevil title, and uh, uh, he, one of the wonderful things about him is that the autistic never actually mentioned in the comics, instead somebody wrote to the writer and said, this guy seems autistic-busy, and the writer said, good, I'm glad you noticed it. And, you know, when you're autistic, you don't actually scream out, I'm autistic, all the time. You know, if, if you're, if you're uh, uh, white, you better not be screaming, I'm white, all the time, or else you're pushing, pushing an agenda. You know, when autistic people are a minority who have sometimes been oppressed in the past, um, and I'm good to push autistic rights, but the majority of autistic people are living day to day, and we live among you, which is why we need to be represented more in pop culture. I am very much in favor of hiring people with disabilities to play disabled people, and unfortunately, for quite a few years, the only name, big budget example in TV was Micah Fowler in Speechless, and now they canceled that show, which pains me. But um, 
but there are a ton of autistic people out there. We can do everything you can. Um, we're just wired a little bit differently. Network networking. It's it's so essential, and like you said, it's the number one way people do find employment. But what I've found is some I've come across many autistic people that were really a lot of anxiety about networking. There there'll be new people, it can be sensory wise, it can be overwhelming. So do you have some suggestions for people about maybe taking some of those first steps into the world of networking? Yes. If there are groups uh, don't don't listen to the people say apply, apply, resume, resume, resume. Instead go to uh, networking events and especially if you can find them Disabilities and networking events like Lights Camera Access. Because I've been <clears throat> at Lights Camera Access and seen shy, introverted people who are literally trembling with anxiety at the beginning of the meeting as they leave the, the meeting, smiling with it, were a dozen new contacts and with the tools, the techniques they, do, they need to make an infinite number more contacts. Those are things that really succeed. Now, Alec, if if those listening want to uh, learn how how to get uh, connected with you and learn more about all that you're doing, how would they go about doing that? Well, my info is all completely public. I recognize that I'm providing service to people, and I want to be easily accessible. Um, my, my email is wrong. But it, it really kicks ass. My email is, is autisticreality at nothing about us without us.net. My website is www.nothingaboutuswithoutus.net. I believe that will take them. My Twitter is at autisticreality, and it's only business on there. I don't do personal stuff. Well, thank you very much, Alec. I really enjoyed the conversation today. No problem. I'm sorry for dropping a few obscenities, but this is really important work, and I, I'm glad to share it with you. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and thank you so much to Alec for the conversation. Modern life can be challenging for anyone. When you're autistic, the world isn't designed with your unique traits in mind, and everyday demands can feel insurmountable. At Autism Personal Coach, we celebrate neurodiversity by empowering adults and teens to be the best version of their authentic selves. The people we serve are the real experts. We're here to help your goals become a reality. To get an Autism Coach for a loved one or yourself to achieve your goals or dreams, email autismpersonalcoach at yahoo.com or call 216-336-5889 and request a coach today. On the next episode of Autism Stories, we will talk with Sarah Baggins about something we all as humans need as we go through life, and that is self-discovery. Talk to you then. Conversation issues Keeping it short Even with
just 